Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I am Jeremy Pinch, and today I have Andy DeNome with me, and we're going to continue this look at uh, what we believe as a church. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've been looking at the sacraments. Today we're looking at biblical eldership, so I thought it was an appropriate thing to have at least one of our elders come and talk about eldership. So thank you, Andy, for uh, joining me this morning. Yeah, my pleasure. Andy and I were just talking about uh, elders before before the podcast got started. It, um, it's funny that when we mentioned the word elder, I always just thought it was an old person, <laughs> but it has a lot more significance than just someone who's older than me. So, Andy, what what does it mean when we say elder? What does that mean? So, if if we do look at it from um, a definition in the con- Contemporary Christian church or in the modern Christian church. We're talking about um, a, a mature man in Christ that fits the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Okay. Um, all those character qualities that are listed there, plus being able to teach. Um, Paul tells um, both of those guys um, who has authority over the entire church and then works within a plurality of other men who are likewise qualified. Um, and they work together in the plurality of elders. We call that the group of elders, um, to lead the church. Okay. And that's basically what an elder is. Okay. So where is this seen throughout the, the Bible? I mean, is it, do we look at it in the new Testament? I'm not just talking about qualifications, but are there, there instances in the new Testament and are there instances in the Old Testament yeah. of, of elders? Yeah, good question. And and when you so when you look at just that word elder, it can be um, viewed as a older man who is in governance within a community, and we see that in the Old Testament, right? And so a good example of that, I was just thinking, a good example of that is Boaz. Right when Boaz addresses the kinsman redeemer, he calls the elders of Bethlehem together okay. to go through that transaction in front of the people who know the rules, they know the laws, and they're there to witness that that is done correctly. And so those are older men within the community who are trusted within the community um, and have life experience because they're older to be able to um, adjudicate, I guess, for lack of a better term, over that process and make sure it's it's done well. And the prophets, I mean, you look at the prophets, they're, they're calling out the elders of Israel. Um, Ezekiel especially calls out the elders of Israel who are supposed to be the leaders of Israel. They're supposed to be the men who are leading Israel and uh, rebukes them for how they're not leading Israel. Hmm. So that word... Um, the word uh, zogan in Hebrew is that word elder, um, and that's how that's used in the, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the most frequent use of the word elder actually refers to the members of the Sanhedrin. Huh. So through the Gospels, we see the word elder used over and over and over again. Jesus refers to the chief priests, um, the scribes, and the elders, hmm. um, 
I mean, he tells the disciples, uh, the, the, I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be persecuted by the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders yeah. and handed over and be put to death. Yeah. So that's actually the most frequent use of that term huh. uh, in the New Testament is in the Gospels. But when we see it in, we see it in um, the epistles, we see it in the pastoral letters, it's always referring to that mature man who is in um, leadership of the church. So it wasn't a foreign concept for the Jews to have elders. So the Jewish converts, it wasn't a foreign concept to them at all because that was a part of being Jewish and living within community is you were going to be overseen by a group of older men. And okay. so it was an easy segue into the Christian church, although the, although the job description was a little bit different for Christian elders than it was the Jewish elders um, because they were um, following the mandates of Christ within the church okay. um, compared to strictly following the um, traditions and the, and the laws of Israel. Okay. Yeah. So, so we see it, we see it. Um, um, Peter, Peter's addressing in first Peter, he's addressing the um, elders of the persecuted churches. He exhorts them, right? He says, I exhort you elders to shepherd the flock. Yeah. And exercise oversight, yeah. right? Paul is talking to Timothy about um, about going into the church at Ephesus and and getting the church in order, right? And he says, "Okay, you got to get you got to get elders in there." Yeah. And so that's when he describes elders. And same thing with Titus and Crete. And that's a very Pauline thing to do. Paul, in his first missionary trip with Barnabas, goes through and they they plant all these churches. Right? Or they, or they, they evangelize, and they have all these believers, and they come back through, and they say, "Okay, well, we're starting a church now." Paul and Barnabas appoint elders in each one of those towns, yeah. mature men that we can only assume fit the same credentials that Paul tells Timothy, um, and uh, they appoint those elders to lead those churches, and then they're off to their next missionary journey. Hmm. So. <laughs> How does how does somebody become an elder? So, uh, say I, I want to become an elder. Do I just walk into the office and say I want to become an elder? Well, and you could do that. <laughs> then I'd lose my job. Yeah, but chances, <laughs> chances are good it's not going to work. Yeah. So how does how does one become an elder? So I think the the overarching answer to that question is God. I mean, God makes elders mm. in churches. Mm. Um, and I think Paul, I think Paul gives this, you know, he gives that beautiful address to the elders at the church at Ephesus. So that's Acts uh, 20, okay. um, before he goes to Jerusalem and he refers to him as he says, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Mm. Right. So God brings up men with gifts and talents, particularly the gift of teaching, um, and grows them through the Holy Spirit in sanctification to a maturity that prepares them for uh, leadership in the church and calls them to calls them to lead the church ultimately. Um, so, if you're asking, 
why men in a particular or how men in a particular church are chosen. Um, they're chosen like in our church specifically, they're chosen through a process that the elders go through. So the elders make a decision that we need more elders. We have more sheep to oversee, uh, in this flock and we need more people to do that. And the elders, the elders in this church carry a lot of different responsibilities that are part of that oversight and that shepherding. And, and, just to add this, whenever you say elder in the New Testament, some synonyms for that is shepherd okay. and overseer. Okay. And so those, those three words are all used uh, interchangeably. And so that idea of we need more shepherds in the church, when we need more shepherds to fill this particular position, we say, okay, well, we probably need some more, um, some more elders. And so the elders in this church look at men that fit those qualifications, First Timothy 3, Titus 1, um, interview them, ask them if they feel like they've been called to lead. Um, we actually go through a process, step-by-step process of looking at each one of those qualifications with that particular person hmm. and going through that with them, um, asking if they have been called, if they feel they have... Um, um, they are given materials to read and think through. Um, do you understand our doctrine in this church well enough? Do you embrace our doctrine? Because we can't have elders that have different doctrine within, um, the plurality, um, go through interviews. Like for me, Kelly, Kelly was interviewed before I was an elder. So John, John sat down with Kelly and said, so what are all Andy's holes? You know, basically. <laughs> so tell me why Andy shouldn't be an elder. Um, and went through that process. And, and then the final step of that is we actually um, put that person before the church to see if the church affirms that person as a, as a leader. Is that a person that this church would, would follow? Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great process. Now, how that's been done... Um, we know that, that Paul directed Timothy to do that and Titus to do that. Um, so there's that apostolic, there was that apostolic, um, placement of leaders just as Christ chose apostles, the apostles chose the original elders for a church. And then since then elders have chose, chosen elders in, in elder run churches. Okay. Okay. (coughs) So you have mentioned the word men a lot. Mm-hmm. Men are yeah. the elders. Why can't women be elders? Um, if you follow scripture, that word elder is always masculine. Okay. Presbyteros. Okay. Elderly man. Older man. Okay. Um, and Paul, I mean, right before Paul gives Timothy these, these, um, guidelines to choose elders. He says, I will not allow a woman to teach a man or have authority over Mm -hmm. a man and elders have authority over everyone in the church. Yeah. So, um, that word presbyteros that's used over and over again is always masculine. The female for that, I just looked this up. Interesting. I looked that up. So, Presbyteros, A-S, is only used once 
in the New Testament proper and then a variation of that. And it's only used as an older woman, um, mature woman. Uh, Paul tells Timothy to have respect for those women like they were his mother. Okay. Um, And then he tells Titus, tell the older women, presbyterize, to teach the younger women, Hmm. which is a, a very noble ministry, yeah. right? Um, older women teaching younger women. But there's, scripturally, there's no indication that women are called as as um, elders. It's always male. And Paul, some people say, well, that's such a, you know, that's such an old-fashioned kind of view of looking at leadership in the church. Sure. And, and Paul, we're looking at the first century, and, and Paul is basically saying, this isn't, this isn't by my design, this is God made man first. Yeah. He made Adam first with this particular unique responsibility as the man to lead yeah. and then made woman. Um, and it's not a question of intelligence. It's not a question even of competency. It's a question of God's order hmm. of things. And again, Paul is Paul is sending Timothy to Ephesus to put the church in order. Yeah. And he's saying, select men yeah. to lead. He's telling Titus, find men on Crete um, to mm. lead the church. Mm. You've also mentioned this word, word plurality. Mm. Plurality. Yeah. Why is it necessary uh, to, for an elder-led church to have a plurality of elders? Why do we have a plurality of elders? Well, technically, if we look at Scripture, technically, again, we see Paul telling Titus, appoint elders in every town, right? In first, in Titus 1. Appoint elders in every town. So he's telling him, go to every town, find men, a group of men, to lead there, and do that from town to town. So I, th- I think we've got a we've got a scriptural directive that it needs to be a plurality. I mean, just practically speaking, well, not even practically speaking, spiritually sc- speaking, you have fallible men mm-hmm. <laughs> who lead, right? And they need to be accountable to other men. I don't care how mature they are, they need to be accountable to other men. And we just talked about how the Holy Spirit's gifts. Um, certain men and calls certain men to lead in the church. Yeah. Not all men who are elders all have the same gifts, passions, talents. Um, and to lead a whole church, um, a plurality is not just a scriptural uh, dictate for us to have. It's a wise thing to do, mm. to not just have one man lead the church with one focus, one idea, one bias. And... Um, inevitably a certain number of sins that affect those things that aren't held accountable by men of like maturity that are held at a, at an equal level. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So eldership, eldership and the plurality is equality. Hmm. It's equality. Um, what I say in an elder meeting, I can say to John or Dennis can say to me, and it's like, we're all at the same level sitting at this table. Yeah. Um, discussing this. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. The plurality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <coughs> so not not all churches believe in this idea of eldership. Yeah. Um, 
what do what do they believe what or what could they believe sure um and how can that be dangerous well i'm no expert on governance in churches so i know that there are churches actually i was in kind of pseudo leadership in a church that was a strong pastor church so the pastor was the leader in the church so no plurality of elders the pastor was a leader and then there was kind of this um kind of liaison group between the pastor and the congregation okay um but that's that's one form of governance is strong pastor the pastor is is it yeah um and just like we just talked about the benefits of plurality you can see the dangers of single right singular, uh, maybe a singular focus without the benefits of other men, um, accountability issues that can be difficult to deal with. It's always the pastor against one man against the congregation. Mm -hmm. If there's conflict that comes up, um, and it's really not, it's just not, it's not biblical. It's not scriptural to, to do that. Um, and I saw firsthand some of the complications of having that when conflicts came up, conflict re- resolution was really difficult hmm. because the pastor never felt he was particularly accountable to anyone in those in that instance. Yeah, he had the highest authority. Yeah, so um, that can be dangerous. Yeah. Congregationally led churches um, um, are churches that kind of hang their hat on this idea, kind of maybe not correctly, priesthood of all believers. So everyone who is a member of the church, who is a Christian, a believer in the church, is a part of the priesthood or they're a part of the leadership Hmm. in the church. So the congregation actually leads the church. So the congregation decides what worship is going to look like. The congregation decides what... Um, what the doctrinal views of the church are going to be, who the officers are. Hmm. And of course, the danger of that is, is you can have believers who are very immature believers who have a say in that. In fact, you could have people who are members of the church who may not even really be saved at all, who are making decisions um, inside the church. And again, if you look at, you know, who are leaders supposed to be in the church, you also have women within the church who are deciding who the pastors are going to be, you know, what the doctrine of the church is and, sure. and so forth. So there's some complications with that also. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it, um, just on those two spectrums that there's, there's going to be complications. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially if you have a congregation of a thousand people. It's trying to make decisions. Yeah, right. <laughs> it gets pretty complicated. <laughs> I had a young friend of mine who was a very recent convert, and again, one of the stipulations that Paul gives Timothy is, you know, don't don't choose yeah. recent converts, or yeah. they may become proud. Yeah. And this was a really nice young man, and and a really super fast growing church that was a pastor strong church that got to be like six hundred people. And all of a sudden the pastor's trying to decide that he wants an elder led church. And this was the most mature guy in the church. And he, and he came to him, he says, I want you to consider being an elder in this church. And, and, and to the guy's credit, he said, there's no way. I mean, I've been a Christian for a year. Hmm. 
and I have no clue what to do. That's why, that's why developing leadership is so, so important. And why we've put, (coughs) excuse me, as elders, we've put so much emphasis in developing leadership. You got to have shepherds for the flock. You got to have shepherds for the flock. Mm. And a flock will be too big if you're um, blessed that one shepherd can't do it. And immature shepherds should not be tending the, mm. tending the sheep. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've heard numerous stories like the one that you just told of, of pastors who were just getting started at this church, but they realized that this is what scripture clearly teaches is this idea of biblical eldership, but they're led by the congregation or, and so they have this ensuing battle (laughs) of trying to, to transform the church's idea of what, how, how the church should be ran. Right. Um, And it all focuses on, it all focuses on how well you handle God's word. Right. Yeah. Because that's the only difference between qualifications between a deacon and an elder classically is elders teach. Yeah. They have a gift to teach. And and we think of that teaching a lot of times as we're sitting in the congregation, we think of that teaching as as Pastor John standing up in front preaching. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. He's teaching the congregation using God's word. And that's that's totally legit. Yeah. We think of uh, Rick Lyon standing up in front of Sunday seminar and teaching he's teaching uh first timothy right now um which is yeah that's teaching but it is it's more than that it's being able to handle god's word accurately to figure out so what does worship look like in the church well let's go to scripture and what does scripture teach us so that we can teach our worship leaders, for example, <laughs> sitting across the table from yeah. them. Okay, this is what worship looks like, biblical worship looks like. Um, how do we deal with people who are in marital struggles? The elders need to be able to look at the situation and say, okay, so how does scripture apply in this particular setting? How do we teach these people yeah. um, how to work through this? So it all hangs on whether you have men within the church that can actually handle, if you will, um, apply um, the Word of God appropriately. And then without that, I don't know what you have for a church, frankly. Yeah. 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 Well, I I know that you... uh, have a lot on your plate as, as elders. Um, and first Timothy, he, he writes, he, he says, uh, the person who desires to be an elder, uh, is desiring a noble task. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, not everybody's going to be an elder. And I'm I'm sure there's there's a lot of men in our church that don't want to be elders, hmm. um, but why should men strive after the qualifications of eldership? Well, it's a it's a beautiful list of let's look at them real quick. I mean, it's a beautiful list of qualifications, right? Tell me tell me what out of this list is not something every Christian man 
um, should aspire to. I mean, we look at it. Um, above reproach, husband and one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, um, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, manage his own household well, um, dignity, keeping his children submissive. And you just look at that, and that is that is Paul writing <laughs> his general letters to the rest of the church, right? right. Yeah, these are these are things Christians do, and and Christian men, particularly who are the leaders of their families, whether you're a leader of a church, um, and able to teach at the level that elders need to be able to handle the Word of God, you're still a leader in your family. You're still a representative of Christ in the community, and that list. Um, is a pretty complete list of what that looks like. Yeah. So if you desire to be a Christian man, you'll look at that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot there. I mean, you can just start with the first one above reproach. Yeah, <laughs> above reproach. And and it's and it's and it's not just looking at how the church looks at you. It's like how does the outside yeah. world look at you? Yeah. How yeah. do you look within the community? Yeah. Um, can people tell that you're separated sure. um, from the world yeah. in your everyday life? Yeah. Um, or are you double-minded? Yeah. Um, so. yeah. yeah, I think of <coughs> I think of Paul writing in, in Romans chapter two uh, about the hypocrisy of the Jewish yep. leadership. Right. You know, they say, "Do this, do this, do this," but then they're this way over here, yeah. and. That's the opposite of what Paul's writing to Timothy and Titus. It's it's the opposite of what Jesus is writing. Sure. Yeah. And <laughs> the it's right what Jesus is saying in the Gospels. Yeah. I mean, this is what Jesus is saying in the Gospels. Yeah. I mean, look at um, you know Rick Rick Whitmer is slowly going through Sermon on the Mount. Right. He's yeah. going through the Beatitudes, yeah. but look at the entire Beatitudes. Yeah. And. And look at that. If you just look at that as a list of what Christianity, what it means to follow Christ, all of these things would play out in that, right? So, yeah, every man should aspire, yeah, yeah, to those uh, characteristics. Well, thank you, Andy, for your knowledge on this subject, and uh, these are great things to be thinking about. Uh, for the men in the church. Um, I would encourage you to read through 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Read through the qualifications of an elder and, and aspire to to those qualifications. Uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of yeah. our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day. <laughs>